Hello, and welcome to Sacred Adventure Begin, an inquisitive space where we explore topics like gaining wisdom, travel, yoga, meditation, dance, art, and following our soul-guided paths. I'm your host, Emily, from gettingintoit.com, and together we'll focus on enjoying, sharing, and interpreting our sacred adventures and how to embody these lessons in our daily lives. Let's begin. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Sacred Adventure Begin. Oh my gosh. So, um, I think it wasn't that long ago when I recorded the Getting Over, Getting Started episode, um, when I first started Sacred Adventure Begin. Um, seriously. Was it March that I started this in? Or April? I I don't even remember. Um, but I felt this calling to share stories. Share stories so that people know that as they're um, going through their life changes, especially during COVID, but also um, as they're asking bigger questions like, what's my life path and what's my life purpose, that their trajectories aren't necessarily going to be, you know, straight lines, that they might circle back to things, and that there's so much um, of interest in that and so much to be learned and enjoyed there. And so Sacred Adventure Begin became part of my story. <laughs> You'll have to forgive me for all the excitement in my voice. I just looked um, at the analytics online and I found out that there are over 4,000 subscribers to the podcast. And if you're listening right now, you're contributing to those numbers and... I have to say thank you so much. The goal of this podcast isn't to sell anything. <laughs> it, uh, it isn't to uh, get you to do anything. It is really just to share. And it comes from, um, as I mentioned in that earlier episode, getting over getting started, a deep need within me. It Actually, I'm going to say it comes from that, but it fulfills a deep need within me to um, share and to share from a very uh, vulnerable and honest place and um, how that connects us to each other in a really powerful way is definitively part of my life path and my purpose. Um so thank you for being here, for being part of it, and uh, I'd love to know who you are. <laughs> so feel free to send me messages. I'm emily at gettingintoit at gmail.com um, or on Insta at gettingintoit. <laughs> but it just really floored me and it made me feel so grateful that there are so many folks out there listening. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Know that when we record these episodes, I am thinking of you and appreciating you. So I have a really cool interview to, to you, <laughs> for you, today with Vern... Ah, wow. Okay, you're used to this. I'm used to this. You're used to this. With Vanessa Persephone Wells, she is such a cool and amazing healer. I have to read her bio to you. So, um, 
Yeah. I'm always looking for spiritual um, teachers and uh, p- practitioners out there who are um, different than the norm. <laughs> And have a little bit of grit to them because I associate grit with realness. When somebody isn't afraid to show me um, that they have a little bit of an edge, it helps me know and understand that they, you know, it builds trust for me. Um, That's what I look for. I'm sure as you're out there in the world um, discovering yourself spiritually and getting on your path, other things speak to you too. Uh, And I don't like high polish on anything. Um, we always buy a vintage houses. I'm going to call them vintage houses. Houses that need a little bit of work. I like to polish things, but I don't like things to be polished, if that makes any kind of sense. Um, anyway, <laughs> Vanessa's polished. I'm not saying she's not polished, but she has that like little bit of grit that I like and enjoy and that helps me know she's being real with me. Um, and here's her bio. Vanessa Persephone Wells is a solitary, eclectic, secular witch, intuitive reader, empathic energy healer, and archetypal business mapping coach, which is pretty boss, if you ask me. (laughs) Sorry, that's not part of her bio. That's my opinion. All right. She founded Black Hearts Healing Arts with the mission of guiding tough bitches with tender hearts to heal the rift between who they've always been and who they know they're meant to be in this life. I love that. I totally identify with that. She currently offers oracle card readings and intuitive coaching to clients in one-on-one and small group settings and is also curating an archetypal business mapping coaching program set to launch later this year. And her website is blackheartshealingarts.com. And I love that. And you can find her on Insta and Facebook at blackheartshealingarts. Um, as you listen to this, you might you might want to go check her out. She is amazing, and she is based out of California. I will let her introduce herself and tell you a little bit more about who she is and how she got started on this path, but I do also want to share with you this really interesting interchange that she and I had. Um, and you may be wondering as the, uh, the I wanted to say the guest, <laughs> as the listener, I also want to call you a reader sometimes. <laughs> student, (laughs) general enjoyer of podcasts. Um, We had this interesting email interchange um, where I was saying, you know, that I had earlier interviewed a tarot specialist and um, Vanessa said, oh, you know, I, I do do tarot, but I mostly do oracle card readings and I feel like it's the difference between speaking Spanish and speaking Portuguese. And I thought that that was so perfect and you'll find out why in this discussion because oracle cards and tarot cards are very different they get us to different places um, with our work and and with coming into our awareness and in our spiritual practice and uh, Vanessa does an amazing job of talking about like why they're so useful I hope you enjoy this interview here is Vanessa Hello, Vanessa Persephone Wells, and welcome to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I am so happy to have you on today. Hello. It's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, super excited to talk to you. So can you start by telling listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? 
Yeah. Um, so my name is Vanessa Persephone Wells. Um, I founded Black Hearts Healing Arts. Um, I'm a solitary, eclectic, secular witch. Um, (laughs) um, I'm also an intuitive reader, an empathic energy healer, and an archetypal business mapping coach. Um, So what that all means. Yes, (laughs) yes, that's so much and it all sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's a lot, it, but they all kind of they all really lock together. So they're not as divergent as they may appear on paper. Sure. Um, and I like to say that I work with tough bitches with tender hearts. Um, <laughs> and you know, unpacking that a little bit is, I think we all either have met or maybe even identify as just the really competent, confident person. Um, they have their shit together on the outside. Like there's nothing they can't handle from everybody else's point of view, but on the inside, they're these really like sensitive souls and um, are dealing very quietly and maybe even surreptitiously with their own insecurities, their own self doubt, and just their own sort of like existential questioning. So I, I, guide tough bitches with tender hearts to um, heal the rift between who they've always been or who they've always needed to be with who they've always known in their bones that they're meant to be. Mm. And, um, and I do that through what I call true self-transformation. And that's where we work together using whatever combination of the modalities that feel appropriate or useful uh, and we we shed the shoulds. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my god, uh, that is such a healing process, <laughs> right? I know. So like, shed the shoulds of you know who they're supposed to be and how they're supposed to live. Air quotes, air quotes. Uh-huh. Um, and through my embrace, embody, and express process, we we craft a path forward into an authentic and fulfilling life, business, relationship, health etc. Wow. Okay. This is number one. Amazing. (laughs) I like, I love how many, well, just even just listening to you speak, I love how punny you are. (laughs) Also say that I'm a, that I'm a poet and still word reading is something that I am very, yes, I'm a hundred (laughs) percent digging that so hard. Embrace, embody, impress, which isn't a pun, but (laughs) no, it's just Um, very alliterative. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So I, I love that. Okay. I have so many questions. I guess let's start with this. When I asked you um, to tell folks a little bit about who you are, you said Mm -hmm. that you were a non-secular witch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Can you tell me what that means to you? So non-secular, this is where I'm going to claim complete subjectivity, right? Right. I'm going to kind of define this differently. Um, but for me, what that means is I don't worship anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I have reverence for everything, but I don't um, I don't worship anything, and I also don't um, anthropomorphize. Ugh, that's a <laughs> hard word. Anthropomorphize um, elements, entities, things like that. Um, sure, that's 
when I began getting into exploring witchcraft, um, that was one thing that I couldn't really just get my believer hat around. And I'm not disparaging anyone else's beliefs. This was just for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, I I can't really um, get into this idea. It just didn't make sense for me. And my understandings of energy and energy work, um, how something divine could also feel so human like that was just for me a translation issue of like I can translate certain qualities and properties of an entity or an element but I can't I can't worship it as a person so when I say non-secular that's that's really what it comes down to it comes down to um non-anthropomorphized and also um not yeah I don't I don't worship things yeah oh my gosh I love that so much that like um idea of not anthropomorphizing things and actually I if if we can just like kind of like share a little like practice thing um I I love goddess worship but I always think of them not as necessarily like um entities (laughs) that are separate from me, but as energies that live within me. Yes. So go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, you're fine. And so like, I I love that you said you don't anthropomorphize them because I think, I think some people get stuck on that and then they become like, they, they give their power to it. And it has been really interesting. Um, just again, sharing kind of where I come from. Um, I co-run an artist residency in India and studied uh, yoga in India and go to an ashram and have done a lot of studies um, like on the Hindu pantheon and like those types of stories and, and goddesses and, and how they're, they're dealt with like from the Hindu perspective, also how they're dealt with from the yogic perspective and then how they have been woven into like, I want to say like Western meditation processes or processes. Mm-hmm. And it's been really interesting because I think of like, for example, the goddess Kali. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a huge amount of reverence for her and like what she means to like the tantric culture, the tantric culture, or the sh- yeah, and also for what she means to like specific like like Hindu sects. But mm-hmm. then also like I have a group of women that um, I'm part of that I don't run, and one of the uh, women we did a circle and we talked about goddess Kali and then everyone was complaining about how she was destroying things in their life. And it was too much energy for them to handle and stuff like that. And I just kind of had moments where I was like, but it's your energy. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, so, so I, uh, sorry, I keep interrupting you. Sorry. No, you don't. I like, I'm supposed to be interviewing you and I'm in and I'm <laughs> like, I think if anything advocates for that, like non-secular view, it's that like, if you're working with the deity, or if you're working with an energy, you're the understanding that it isn't separate from you, that it is you. Yeah. And, and what, where the archetypes really come in here really well, because when we look at goddesses, gods, deities, um, across different cultures, there's so much overlap, right? Oh yeah. And because they're, they are individualized interpretations of these collective consciousness elements, right? These archetypal mm-hmm. blueprints of 
human experience and human personality. Um, and so that's really how I approach, uh, you know, specific entities. You know, my middle name is Persephone. I have a huge affinity um, with, with that goddess, right? Yeah. So but did you give yourself your middle name or were you given I, your middle name? I did. So I'll, I'll, ah, I love it. Here. <laughs> I'll tangent here for one second because my name is a little bit interesting. Yes. When it comes to um, metaphor and archetype. So Vanessa is actually a genus of butterfly. Like the mm. monarch butterfly is a Vanessa butterfly. What? I did yeah, not know that. So, yeah. So butterflies, of course, represent a transformation and ascension of the soul, right? Um, and then my last name is Wells, which is the depths of yes. emotion, the unconscious, the chthonic, right? Um, energies of, of digging deep and the, the, the waters that run through. So Persephone being both the maiden of spring and the goddess of the dead is this beautiful bridge between my first and last name. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's perfect. <laughs> and it just, it just like, that's really come to be an understanding, an understanding of my path and my purpose in this lifetime is to, is to be that bridge for people between their conscious and unconscious, between their death and rebirth cycles. So, um, huge reverence for her. And, um, yeah, I really look at these things as archetypes and to speak to your point of, um, the sort of, <laughs> the victim archetype that people yep. will a lot of times um, identify with or adopt in response to their life circumstances and the correlation of different um, deities or gods or goddesses and be like, oh, look at what so-and-so is doing. And oh, mm -hmm. like, you're, you're not a victim to anything in, insofar as like, there are things you do not have power over. There are things that happen to us over which we are powerless, right? Yes. But the power of, of response, the power of alchemizing an experience, and sometimes that is really fucking hard to do. No joke. Sometimes that feels, sometimes that does not feel possible. And sometimes it feels insurmountable. I mean, if we look at the world around us right now, I think we see so much evidence of that. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's where that's where a choice point comes in of, okay, I don't have power over this, 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 or this. Where, where do I have a little bit, where do I have power just for myself in my little corner of this life, of this world, of this experience of the physical plane? What is something I have the power to do for myself and with myself and with what I'm, what I'm going through right now? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have to ask this then, because I, I also think of, I think you could use a lot of different words to talk about like deities. You could say like energies, or you could say like processes, or you could say archetypes. And you've mm -hmm. used the term archetypes multiple times. And as I was looking through your bio on your website, it did sort of indicate, is this your area of study or was this your area of study? It was part of my area of study. Um, so I, <laughs> I went to the Gallatin School at NYU, which is where you make your own major. Oh, cool. And so part of my major was um, Jungian analysis. Love it. 
So, <laughs> I'm not like a therapist. I'm not a, an, a, a Jungian analyst practitioner, but I have that bedrock of information and knowledge and um, foundation that really sets up so much of the work that I do and the way that I read people and um, am able to kind of navigate them through different experiences and situations and um, crossroads. That sounds so cool. I, everything you said sounds awesome, actually. <laughs> so, so kind of coming back to, again, um, the list of things that you, that, or wordings that you use when you introduced, mm-hmm. introduced yourself. Um, so it, I also heard that you do uh, oracle card readings and that yes. you're using intuition to help those tough bitches with tender hearts. So <laughs> can you uh, talk a little bit maybe for the listeners who are tuning in, what is the difference between like an oracle card and a tarot card? And then how, how are you working with people with them? Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll start with the objective difference and then I'll, I'll segue to the subjective difference. So the objective difference is that tarot is a fixed system. And I mean fixed in the way that it's like set. There's a structure. There's the major arcana. There's the minor arcana. There are the the trumps, you know. Um, and each card has a, a set of symbolism that defines the card, right? So an artist, you know, artists between different decks, they might have a different um, artistic portrayal, but there's a, um, a specific structure to tarot that runs concurrent throughout deck to deck to deck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Oracle, it's a fluid system. So, um, and there are pros and cons to each, and I sort of regard them like different dialects of, a, of the same language, Yes, you know? that's a like, good way to describe them. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's um, they come from, they originate from the same you know source. It's just you know there's slightly different ways of talking about things and hearing things and interpreting things. So with Oracle, there it's a fluid system, meaning you know there's no um, there's no set structure, and one of the pros and cons of that is. Um, for me, a pro of it is, uh, it allows more, it allows for me to channel better because I'm primarily a channeler. So the Oracle cards for me are, um, portals into specific points of someone's field and consciousness Mm -hmm. around a specific theme, question, idea, concern, whatever it is. Um, that's sort of like the, 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 threshold through which I walk to really begin to read into what's happening in that piece of that person's experience. Um, and so that gives me flexibility to channel a specific message through the lens of that card. Um, and I could pull a card, I can pull an Oracle card for somebody and it can mean one thing and it can pull that same card for somebody else in the same position of the same spread and it can mean something very different. Mm -hmm. And while that's not unique to Oracle, that happens in tarot as well. um, For me, I find it a more um, accessible process to have less um, surrounding meaning of the card itself 
And I just want to like, I want to get to the meaning of this person. And Oracle gives me a little bit more freedom to do that. The con side of that is <laughs> anyone can whip together an Oracle deck and sort of just be like, I made an Oracle deck. And it doesn't, it's not necessarily well intuited. <laughs> it's not necessarily very meaningful or whatever. It's just, you know, somebody slapped images and words on a card and like now they're selling it for $45. And yep. like, so there's a little bit of opportunity for degradation of the work, <laughs> but I think that comes with everything. So whatever. Um, but that's where, you know, an individual's intuition is, is so important too, to be able to like pick something up and say, I resonate with this or I don't resonate with this. Like, yes, you know, and whether that's the um, intuitive reader or whether it's the intuitive tool, the divination tool, you know, being able to, to suss for yourself, like, I'm down with this or I'm not vibing. No, don't like it. Yeah. This is so um, interesting because I also felt like I really wanted to ask you (laughs) which are your favorite Oracle decks? Do you work primarily with one or do you have multiple ones and how do you pick? I have, yeah, I have multiple ones. Um, I uh, have multiple ones but they really kind of come from the same people. So I really like Colette Baron reeds Oracle decks. I know she's a big, you know, big name, big present. She's kind of like, you know, big box store of divination uh-huh. stuff. But goddamn, I just love her decks. Like they, me and her decks, we just talk, we get down. It's good. Um, the communication is super fluid between me and the cards. So um, I really like her... Um, Wisdom of the Hidden Realms, which is very, um, um, I don't want to say fairy tale, but it's got that, um, yeah, I don't know, like fairy tale-ish um, artwork and uh, structure to it. I also love her Wisdom of Avalon deck, uh, which is all based on, yeah, it's all based on like Arthurian legend. Uh, and uh-huh. I think that was the first deck she ever made. But I also like Lucy Cavendish, and she does fairy work. So I have um, two of her fairy decks, and um, those things are for real, for real. Like mm-hmm. fairies don't fairies don't fuck around. And so, <laughs> like when you get those, um, when I do those readings with those, that's usually either when the person being read needs to hear some real truth. And I don't decide that, right? When I'm doing a reading, whether it's a collective reading on Instagram or, Uh you know, someone sitting across from me or, you know, over Zoom, whatever. um, I ask first, I'm like, which of you want to step forward for for this message? And when the fairies want to step forward, man, they are just like, no. (laughs) Us today. Right here, over we would here. like to speak. <laughs> we all get out of the way. We're pushing our way to the front. Um, and yeah, so they have a very, it can be a little bit uh, cryptic in the way that they, like, those decks speak very symbolically. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also just like a straight shot message that really cuts to the heart of what someone is going through or needs to hear. It's not always like, it's not always nice. It, uh-huh. it's kind it's always kind right it's in someone's service of someone's highest good and 
and best intentions, but sometimes it's just like a real talk moment, you know, truth bomb. Yeah, well, and sometimes people are going through something that's really intense and they just don't have the words for it. And when you put down the card and you start telling the story or you start bringing through what wants to come through with the card, it suddenly makes them aware of what it was that they were feeling. Like they were feeling it, they just didn't have words for it. And then the cards gave that to them. Yeah, that's the thing is like the symbols awaken, whether it's an actual symbol or just like the represent the the element of the story, the narrative that the card is is bringing forward. Right. It's to awaken what's already within. It's to it's to shine the light on that dark corner that we can't access. And we need that reflection from something outside so that we can see more deeply more clearly into ourselves and that's the beauty of of this work it's like i identify with the guide archetype not so much the teacher archetype even though like i definitely teach people some things but i'm mostly (laughs) a guide like i'm not here to give you the answer i'm here to navigate you through your darkness so you Mm -hmm. find that answer in yourself because that light bulb that goes off when someone comes to a realization for themselves yes it's so much more brighter and and long lasting (laughs) than if I'm like you should do this yeah and they go like yeah I probably should but I I don't know I'm not really gonna because it's hard and you're like yeah I know but (laughs) when you know when you come to that realization for yourself there's just you come to it at the point when you're ready to awaken to it. That's the thing. So you come to it when you're ready. It's so true. It's so, so true. I, um, <laughs> when you said you, you have a lot of the decks by Colette Baron Reed, <laughs> I was like, who's that? And then I got online and I was like, oh, I have three of her decks. <laughs> right. She just came out with a new one that I'm really want to get. It's the Oracle guess, of the seven energies. It's all based yes. on the chakras. And I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. I love it. <laughs> yes. The, the imagery in her cards is really, really lovely. I'm not, I haven't literally, I'm just now realizing who is done my cards <laughs> I'm not sure if she's the artist or the author or both the artist the, and the author no she's the author she okay. she has great artists for her death. she does she really does I think images are so um important when yes. when we're dealing with um subconscious things or when we're talking about things that are sort of more right-brained than left-brained um mm-hmm. that fall more into the intuitive versus logical but um Anyways, <laughs> yeah. I, I am also curious. So you said earlier that you are an energy healer as well. So are you also practicing Reiki? Um, I am a certified Reiki practitioner. I don't. So, okay. <laughs> I, I wanted to get um, certified in Reiki, and I've done some other energy work studies as well. Cool. Um, but I wanted to do that first and foremost to expand and deepen my energetic and spiritual connection, but also as a way to self purify. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a spongiest of the spongy empaths, <laughs> and uh, I I take on a lot and it's, you know, even if I am really working at shielding and stuff, um, it's, I get hijacked really easily. 
Um, and so I wanted to bring in something that could really just help me after I do these readings or after I'm in certain situations to just like in a disciplined and effective way, um, cleanse myself and, and just purge anything from my field that doesn't belong to me. So that's where Reiki really came in. I haven't, I do it once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do it as a regular service offering on its own, just because it, it puts me in a position where I end up taking on a lot mm-hmm. and I like to have, um, agency over whose energy I'm going to tangle with. So I don't put it out there in that capacity. But that being said, it is a vein that runs through all the work that I do. So if I'm doing a reading for somebody, or if I'm, um, you know, working with them on, on their business or something, there is an element of that in the other work that I'm doing. But as far as like the hands-on piece of it, I, I don't do it that much. Yeah. Okay. So I love that you just said that you do Reiki, Reiki, excuse me, I totally mispronounced it. Um, because you are an empath and I am wanting to ask you about that. So, um, what sort of role does like your, your empathic abilities and your intuition play in your readings? Um, it's everything. Yes. Um, Tell me more. (laughs) Tell me more. Um, So, yeah, kind of like I was saying earlier, I'm not super interested in what a card means, right? Mm -hmm. I'm interested in what it means to and for this person around this question. So um, uh, the the card is like a signal, Mm -hmm. and then my intuition through that open door begins to channel the message for that, for that person. So it's, it's predominantly an intuitive channeled reading. Um, the card, I don't necessarily need the card, but the card helps focus things a little bit. And it also Mm -hmm. gives like the reader or viewer something tangible, right? Because otherwise it's just me talking at them and they're like, who's this bitch who thinks she knows me? And it's like, no, 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 look, here's (laughs) everything she's saying makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, but the card kind of gives this, um, evidential third, like neutral party, right. Mm -hmm. That, um, because sometimes when you're hitting on tender points with people, it can be, there can be a little bit of, rebuff where it's like um you know uh I'm trying to think of like the best way to phrase this but just where people are like personalizing the messenger instead of receiving the message right and so the card can kind of defer or diffuse that a little bit because it's not just you know me talking from my own vantage point. I'm talking through um, something that sits between us. And and the card gives visibility to that person on the other side, right? Um, I so, like that. What, so I, I've, but I've gone off course. You were asking me something else. No, you're right on course. I, okay. I'm going to pivot this question a little bit too then. So um, as you're channeling, you pull the card, you're holding the card as you're channeling. Um, are you channeling the other person's higher wisdom? Are you channeling from like just a spiritual place? Like 
what, what are you channeling? Yeah. Um, well, I have my own, my own team. Yes, you have a <laughs> guide <physical>. team. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah. so they, they are always in the mix. Um, and yeah, I just kind of open myself in a, in a safe way to mm-hmm. who slash whatever wants to come through. And sometimes it's very clear where I'm like, okay, so, um, you know, I'm getting somebody who has this kind of energy, you know, there's a very maternal energy that's, that's talking through this particular point. Um, but it's also very fast moving. Honestly, I just go with it. Uh, unless there's, unless somebody, you know, unless there's something very specific where it's like, it needs to know that mm-hmm. it's coming from this place. Um, I just roll with it. I just go and I'm like, all right, so here's what's, here's what's coming through. Here's, here's what you need to know. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly like, I feel like this is a point in one of my works that is going to develop further Will I, where I will have more fine refinement in, uh, the specific frequencies that are coming through but mm-hmm. right now it's just like i'm a floodgate and it the the stuff just comes yeah you know, you know? no um, that's how i experience it too <laughs> yeah like i'm yeah. very clear sentient i'm very clear cognizant um i have certain clear audience um things but for the most part there's just a knowing and a feeling and um, it's, it's not always very localized. Yes. Yeah. I, I love that. So (laughs) this is kind of, I think something that a lot of listeners think about when they hear something like that. And that is like, how did you get to a place where you were confident in your abilities or we could even take it back further? Um, because there, there's the development of, of these abilities. There's the awareness of them, but then like, Mm -hmm. I, the main question that we could sort of roll it all the way back to is how did you come to do what you're doing? <laughs> Tell me your story. <laughs> okay. Buckle in. I'm um, ready. <laughs> um, so like many of us, when we are young, we have certain wisdom and knowing and experiences slash experience um, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to people around us or that, um, sheds a light on people's darkness in a way that they're not prepared for, especially from someone who is a A child. child. Yep. So be it family, society, school, culture, you know, whatever it is, it gets squeezed out of us. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so if I look back in retrospect, I can be like, oh, yeah, oh, no, okay, this was, this was there all along, but I t- had to turn it off, especially, like I said, being, being an empath. And I was, or I, I would say, I contracted for a um, childhood that would allocate a set of circumstances that would have me navigate these these gifts in a, mm-hmm. in a specific way and throughout my lifetime on a certain timeline, if, if that makes sense. So in other words, um, 
uh, you know, certain experiences and stuff from when I was young, put things on mute. And the hypersensitivity was one of the things that I had to had to learn how to turn it off because I didn't know what to do with it. And I didn't know what was happening. It was really scary. Mm-hmm. So um, I turned that off, but it was always, yeah. I didn't turn it off. But I, I like the, muted the volume really yeah. low. So it was like, it was like always like, like this thing in the background of being able to feel people and being able to um, know things yep. about people um, <laughs> and with, with no reason of, of, you know, why that would actually happen or make sense, right? It's like not something you can explain, especially when you don't have the articulation to do that. Um, so I, I won't say that I was lucky in the way that I had people surrounding me in my youth who were open to this, who were nurturing of it, encouraging of it. It was just sort of like, um, we don't know what you're on about, but stop it. <laughs> Did you ever, do you ever come across this? Like when I was younger, I would accidentally be creepy because I would know things that I wasn't supposed to know. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. then people just look at you like, why? <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of like I said, right? Like you shed light on people's darkness in a way they're not prepared for. Yeah. And kind of like reflect back to them <laughs> this thing. And they're like, what do you, what, how do Wait, you know what you no. know? And, and like suddenly they feel judged by a child. But meanwhile, yes. you're not judging them at all. They're judging themselves. And it's just like this horrible, twisted, like warped mirror thing that happened. Yes. Like, I'm going to go hide now. I'm going to go back in my room and not talk to anybody because this is hard. I think, though, like, in, so, so you had a childhood very similar to mine, (laughs) and then you went to college. Yeah, so. When um, did you start, like, developing? So, it was actually started, I would say, in high school. Okay. um, Wow. That's awesome. That, (laughs) that's where I really first got introduced to archetypes through Greek mythology. Nice. Um, and so, starting to read like the Homeric poems and being introduced to this pantheon of Greek mythology. And I was so fortunate to be studying that stuff under a teacher who was very well versed in, in Jungian principles Mm -hmm. and archetypes and such. So that's, that's the way I learned about mythology was through this archetypal lens. And so that really ignited something which segued to tarot because tarot is obviously highly archetypal. Yep. And that's really where I began to study um, tarot and be introduced to it and play with it. Um, and then, but I just kind of played with it. I was like, oh, that's just cool, whatever. Um, and then I went to college. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's where I studied um existential philosophy, Jungian analysis, um, and I did a lot of religious classes, but like weird religious classes, like mm-hmm. human like sacrifice. Eastern philosophies, yeah. Well, yeah, like, but also like, I literally took a class in human sacrifice. And that like, studying that, and, like, yeah, it was wild, <laughs> you know, so it wasn't about how to sacrifice humans. It was studying yeah, I, I didn't human sacrifice throughout religious traditions and like its meaning and whatever. Um, just so people don't get scared. They hear what's the human sacrifice and they're like, wait, 
not not the case. So um so yeah, these things all sort of like were like swirling and circulating around me, but they hadn't coalesced. And when they when they really coalesced um is after my first uh major health issue mm-hmm. um where I just had a complete physical and psychological break um and that looked like my adrenals almost burning out it you know all of my organ systems were shutting down one by one and I was super ill Mm -hmm. um and that was like a, a reckoning point because I had to decide if I was gonna just keep going and die or was I going to really change direction and start living and that is where I took I took stock of my training I also had prior to that done a health coaching certification so that's where that's where I really cut my my coaching chops um but this is where this was a a moment in life where it was like you know all this shit are you going to use it Mm -hmm. and I had to make the choice to start using it and as I began to do that that is where the intuition really began to serve me because I had to start using it as my own like GPS for choices. Cause was I going to make a choice that was going to take me backwards into the life that was killing me? Or was I going to be able to start recognizing what change felt like, what good choices felt like. And so my intuition really became a tremendous ally in that healing process. And as I did that for myself, people around me would get curious. And so I would just do like readings for them. Or if I had a health coaching client at the end, I would kind of like tag on a card. I'd be like, all right, let's pull a card just to kind of put a punctuation mark on our session. And people would go like, that is fucking wild. Yeah. Spot on. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. It would just be like, oh my God, there's everything we just talked about. And I'm like, yeah, I know. So, um, So yeah, so that's where it really started to cultivate itself as um as a as a tool for for me and then um yeah it just kind of kept slowly developing over time and um yeah it's funny because like just saying it now it's like with each spiritual growth bump um there's this like very physical tragedy thing that happens, <laughs> and so, which as it always goes, hence like dark nights of the soul and whatnot. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I realized, um, it's almost like the universe being like, how much are you willing to grow? Like how much are you willing to let go of? Like how much are you yeah. willing to look at yourself? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's funny too, because it's like, I think sometimes we get especially, especially now where, healing and spirituality and all that stuff has become very commodified in the social media sphere and Uh it's like suddenly everyone's you know an expert on all things Mm non-physical um which is like fine great I guess you know but whatever (laughs) like you really got to be able to rely on your own your own wisdom to be like I think that's bullshit okay Uh (laughs) um (laughs) 
Yes. But what what was my point that I was trying to make? Um, uh, I just I derailed you. That's I de- right. I, right. I derailed me because <laughs> I got I got judgmental, and that's um, oh, but the universe testing you. So, um, right, we can get into this thing where it's very quotable to have things like um the universe is testing you with this so get up and grind and it's like no honestly like the universe gives zero fucks like it's just here to (laughs) like facilitate you are an agent of free will we have materialized into the physical realm with free will which means we can choose to do something we can choose not to do something we can choose to do it the hard way we can choose to do it the easy way and the fact of the matter is there is no wrong there is only all these different routes of expansion and evolution how far do you want to expand how much do you want to evolve it's up to you well i i think i i stated it that way because you had said that there were like physical sort of road bumps that were happening um totally. in your spiritual practice and i also think of that like not as the universe testing me necessarily is perhaps a bad way to put it but a like opportunity to learn something new about myself and to expand and to grow yeah. in acceptance and awareness right well i yeah. think i think the test element actually generates from within unconsciously mm-hmm. right it's not something that's forced upon us from the outside it, it materializes on the outside but that's because we're on we are on our journey of yeah. becoming and unbecoming this journey of expansion and evolution and so when we find ourselves in these places in life where we are not where we're out of whack right mm-hmm. we're out of alignment we're out of integrity and we're not um, we're not doing right by our, by ourselves, you know, um, we, our, our higher self recognizes this, the divine part of us recognizes this. And it's like, this is really fucking uncomfortable. And can we yes. not do it this way? I would like <laughs> for you to like, so it's our own, it's our own booby trap that we set for ourselves, right? It's like the divine self versus the human self in that capacity where it's like, okay, I'm going to set this little thing for you and it's going to set all of this off course and that's going to make you realize this <laughs> that stuff that I already right know course. and I need yeah. you to get on board with me so yes. that you do what we're meant to do here in this lifetime. <laughs> so like, it's, so yeah, not calling you out on using the, that language. Oh testing, no, you're fine. Yeah. But I see people fall into that again, that, that victim, that shadow victim thing of, of, uh, this is happening to me. And it's like, no, it's happening for you. You. And also like you're, you're in on this. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. There's so many different like ways to sort of talk about that, but I'm curious, like, so when you work with people, like what do most people come to you for? (laughs) <laughs> what, what do they come to me what do they think they come to me for ah. actually come to me for? that's the question um I, I mean most people come to me when they're at a crossroads with something right they um they want clarity around making a choice or around a situation they want um to feel confident following through and carrying out that choice and 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 I'm going to use my own words here, no one's actually ever said it to me like this, but they want to consciously participate and engage with 
the creative process of becoming and unbecoming, mm. right? Um, and so what they think they're coming to me for is clarity around something that's on the outside, right? Yeah. But what they're really coming for is honest reflection about who they are on the inside and what choices line up with that and why are they getting in their own way and how do they get out of their own way so they can actualize in a way that feels real and meaningful and fulfilling and authentic and good to them. That's so cool. So you work with people in a modality that you've sort of created yourself in my, yeah. Kind of, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. I also saw that you like work with people in groups in addition to like individual sessions and like, how does that work? Yeah. Um, so my group work has traditionally been more business oriented because I, I hate to spoil this for everybody, but <laughs> business problems are not business problems. They're life problems that are happening in your business. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, it's so, so true. Spoiler alert, <laughs> trigger warning, all the things. Um, but yeah, so when it comes to doing that, um, sometimes I'll be working with like business partners or like um, a small founding team of like three, maybe four people tops. So, um, but in the past, in like long time ago, I would do things that were more like um, workshoppy or group or, you know, group oriented. And I'm actually starting to pivot things because working one-on-one is fantastic and it will always be part of what I do because of that deep intimate transformation work that I think I am uniquely positioned for for a chunk of people um and so that one-on-one work will be important but I can only leverage myself so far with that right like I can only reach so many people and I can only facilitate so much change at that level so being I'm starting to like restructure some things with more um, group coaching programs that will create a container like a shared container in a way so that like each group will that comes together that that is magnetized and attracted to that specific work at that specific time, they're all going to have some foundation in common and that enables them to support each other and to go through their unique transformations with a collective um, support system. And I think that is really unique work and something that's so important right now given yes. the state of affairs of our, of our culture, of our global culture, um, everything that's happening, these foundations and um, threads of connection are, are unraveling and breaking down because they were sort of built on bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. And like these, these connections of integrity and equality and authenticity and true humanity are beginning to 
emerge and beginning to be cobbled together. And so having support, being able to heal in a, in a networked framework, as opposed to in isolation mm-hmm. is really, I think, becoming an important um, function and capacity of, of the healing world. So it's, it's not, it's not just about, you know, in fact, it's very little about me and, you know, how many people I'm getting to, because it's not about me, but it's how can we create these, these better environments for people to not only heal themselves, but to help heal each other and reestablish community based around things that matter based around things that are healthy and centered around love and centered around loving each other instead of these really divergent and bifurcated things of I'm on this, I'm on this journey and I'm going to, you know, go off by myself to whatever part of the world and come back and tell you the story, right? Like the hero's Mm -hmm. journey of going off on your own and then coming back to the tribe, like, that's really starting to get reworked because yeah. now there's this collective piece of it where it's like, I don't want to just take your word. Like we got to go through this together. We have to initiate together because we are all one. We are not separate. That's so cool that you just talked about because as I mentioned like way earlier in our conversation that I'm part of women's circles and there's <laughs> one in particular where we only meet once a month but we go so deep with each other and I trust all of these women so deeply. Like, and I feel like I really know them, but I see them for two hours a month, you know, like, and it creates this content on zoom, no less. Yeah. Creates this beautiful, like cauldron of a container into which we can process things together. And then there isn't also like, because there's a container for that, there isn't the pressure for other parts of my life to give me that sort of like deep inward fulfillment. So then I can enjoy um, a relationship that I have that's more face value with someone else and still know that I'm completely heard because I have this group, right? Yep. And, And here's a great question. Now, knowing that you know and trust these other members of your circle so well, Mm -hmm. How much more do you know and trust yourself because of them? Yeah, exactly. I, right? And that's why that work is so valuable. And so it's so amazing that you're like putting a group of people together where they can do that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so <laughs> it's so beneficial. <laughs> I, like, I literally couldn't sing the praises of that sort of work like enough. Yeah. Um, so... With almost all intuitive practitioners, I know um, a lot of us begin by like healing ourselves, right? Yeah. And so I'm kind of curious, like in your own experience, like what have been the biggest sort of like benefits that you've seen from the work that you're doing, like in your own life, but also for your clients, like what are the big, like, what's the big things that happen? Tell me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, I think the first thing is that as we heal ourselves, we expand our capacity to hold space for other people um, in a way that is not oriented around fixing them or around molding them Mm -hmm. into something. It becomes a space where 
a person can unfold and unfurl and get messy without it disrupting our space, right? I think one reason why it's hard for so many people to just be with someone else's pain is because they don't know how to do it for themselves and and they don't know what's going to happen, right? There's Mm -hmm. a a fear response that happens when someone falls apart in front of you. Yeah. Um, So, um, so yeah, as we heal ourselves, we just um, become better listeners. We become better empathizers. We become better allies to this human process of life. (laughs) Mm. Um, So that is first and foremost important. And I think it's also initiation. It's one of the, it's one of the ways that we're spiritually initiated into this work. Not everybody goes through what I have gone through, what you may have gone through or what other intuitive practitioners may have gone through. There are some people who live quote unquote normal lives, Um, (laughs) you know, and it's like, that's insane and amazing, but like, and I take their word for it, but um, you know, like not everybody goes through the things and that's not to make it special. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we can power grab for that of like, I went through all this and it's like, okay, everyone, everyone's got their thing. But, um, but I think it does uniquely position us for a relational capacity Mm -hmm. that makes people feel safe with us in these tumultuous times that they're in. It makes people feel heard, seen, valued, cared for, supported, nurtured, uh, not from a place of agenda, but from just a place of witness. Yep. And um, so I, I think these are all part of the trajectory of the self-healing that um, some of us are challenged with and guided through mm-hmm. so that we can facilitate more of this in, in just in the world. And whether that world is a small town that consists of, you know, a couple hundred people and, and you don't go beyond that that's your world and that's it. And that's where you're meant to be and do the work. Um, or it could be, you know, where you're on an international stage. Yeah. So speaking of place, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I also see that you are an East coaster. You are up here near me, um, in New York and you moved out to LA. Can you talk a little bit about like why and how you made that transition and maybe how it's like opened up new opportunities for you or for your work or yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was born and raised in New York. I used to have a, a terrific New York accent um, <laughs> that I, that I lost when I went to college, even though I went to college in New York. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I love New York. Um, <laughs> and so everything that I'm about to say is not to be disparaging, but it is uh, just to highlight how, I grew out of it. Um, New York has a pace. New York has an expectation of you. Um, And I guess the short version 
I was a city girl my whole life. Like I was, I loved the city. I loved everything being in super close proximity. I loved being able to walk to anything I needed and having so much variety and so many different cultures and options and everything. And I still love and appreciate those things. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a grind and it's it's a grind that is celebrated and it is a grind that is used as a benchmark of success (laughs) and and a bar of status and I I was in that for like a hot minute I was in that hustle you know and I and I was all about it and then I burned out again Mm -hmm. and I had to really look at the similarities between the time before that I was speaking of earlier and where I was finding myself again except this time I you know had cancer and like not terrible cancer let me I didn't have like Hodgkin's lymphoma or anything but I had like still like a like a cancer thing yeah and um and you know I was in a really unhealthy relationship and I was in just like a bunch of situations that I was just like wow this is one of those moments again where like I have to choose like I'm choosing between life or death again why am I doing that mm-hmm. oh because I've built a life that isn't important to me and I'm putting all my energy into holding it together when it needs to fall apart. Mm -hmm. So, um, um, what question was I answering again? Yeah. How you ended up in LA. Right. How I got to LA. So I was looking around at the life that I was chasing because I was chasing it at this point. Like it wasn't coming naturally. I was busting my ass to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And I took a look at the people I was surrounded by and who was successful by New York standards. Uh-huh. And I was like, yep, they make good money. And they also work 70, 80 hours a week. Yep. They're unhealthy. They're yep. tired. They don't necessarily know why they're doing what they're doing. Even if they enjoy what they're doing, they don't know why they're doing it this way. And I was like, wow, I don't see a version of success for me here. I'm not seeing what I define as successful for me and my health and my life. I don't see it here. So I need to start looking at other places where I can line up better with a successful life for myself. And I was like, if I'm going to move, I may as well like move, move and, <laughs> and like really like cover some ground. So I, 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 was, I was called to California. Um, and a lot of that did have to do with the, just the, the stigma of healthy here. Right. Yep. Like I was pretty entrenched in addiction and, and some bad like health choices. So Um, I was like, I'm going to go somewhere where things like eating well and self-care and meditation and things are really, really embraced and not embraced through a somewhat sideways glance. Not that everyone in New York feels that way, but there's just a kind of culture of like, if you're taking care of yourself, are you weak? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a badge of honor to be exhausted. Well, it's struggle is status is what yes. I call it, right? Yeah. Like the more oh you gosh. struggle, the more validated and verified your success is. So it's struggle a lot. That way in academia, as you're trying to get like 
you know, your full-time, like your tenure. <laughs> uh-huh. sure. And then after that, people resent it so much that they behave badly when they have tenure because they can't. <laughs> what? Well, because they're like, they, it's that put in your dues thing, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, I sweat already. I'm going to fucking coast for the rest of this. Yes. You, ladies, <laughs> you can do all the hard work. And like, that's just, that's such a product of our consumerism. It's a product of our patriarchy. It's a product it of like, of, of so many things. And it's one of the things that is being dismantled right now, right? Yes. Thank so, God. Um, so yeah. Thank so I, thank, thank, the thank whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, yeah, so I chose LA and, and, um, I think part of that was also, it wasn't such a culture shock, right? Like I wasn't moving into like the middle of nowhere in a part of the country that was so divergent. Like I wanted to set myself up for success with integration and be able to like find community that mattered. And, um, yeah. And not just totally traumatize myself by like moving across the country with no one. Cause I didn't know anybody here. I'd actually never been to the state of California before I moved here. What? That's amazing. I just I, like, I put all my shit on the curb in Brooklyn and I was like, I'm on a plane to LA now. Bye. I'll, <laughs> I'll figure it out when I get there. Um, and I did. And so I've been really um, lucky to have connected with some very um, spiritually conscious people who um, have, you know, one of which is my Reiki master um, and just, I've grown so much being here and connecting to nature. Yeah, like, this is real nature, like New York nature, not <laughs> not upstate New York where there is actual nature, but um, you know, Central Park is beautiful, but that's not nature. No, you it's know? not. Yeah. Um, and so now I live in a part of LA. I live in Northeast LA, so it's sort of on the outskirts. And you know, where I'm living right now, the mountains are outside my backyard there are ravens and hawks and things in the sky every day um you know coyotes and bobcats and things not that like I'm still in a pretty semi-urban or suburban area but there's there's so much nature and like being able to connect with the mountains Mm, yes upped my game man like I was just, that was something I had never connected with before. And it really awoke something in, in my elemental magic that was, um, I guess, ready. Yeah. That's why I came here. So, um, I love mountains. Yeah. I love them. Um, Louisville, Kentucky, where I'm originally from is in the foothills of the Appalachian mountains. Mm -hmm. And, um, actually we just moved to Boston and, um, we are in an area that has like you can walk from our house to state park and walk up a literal mountain and see all of Boston, including the Harbor from it. And it's so cool to be 30 minutes from a beach and also walking distance from a mountain. It's sort of blowing my mind. I love it up here. Yeah. Like that, that topography and like variety is just, it's delicious. Sounds like that's exactly what you have in LA. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I got the beach, I got the mountains, I got the desert. <laughs> it's considerably warmer and sunnier there, I think. <laughs> yes, yes. It is all on fire, of course. But yes. That is, that's, you take the good with the bad, I guess. Yep. Yeah, everywhere has, everywhere has issues like that. So <laughs> if listeners want to work with you, how do they find you? 
So you, I think the best way to find me is on Instagram, um, which is just at Black Hearts Healing Arts. Um, and I have a website too. It's in desperate need of a revamp. I put it up a while ago and just haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, but it, that's just blackheartshealingarts.com. And those are really the two best ways. You can also email me. It's just blackheartshealingarts at gmail.com if you had like a specific question or um, something like that. But uh, Instagram, website, yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Vanessa Persephone Wells, for sharing you, your Emily. story with us here. <laughs> I have so enjoyed talking with you and getting to know you and your work. Awesome. I very much appreciate you having me on and holding this space, not only for me, but for your listeners and for the other lucky souls who will get to be your guest on future episodes. Um, so yeah, thanks for doing this and for inviting me. And it's been, it's been awesome connecting with you and just sharing. Totally has been a pleasure. So if anyone out there listening wants to find Vanessa, um, she just told you her links, but they will also be in the show notes. So on whatever platform you're on, just scroll down and there you'll have it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I hope you got a lot out of this episode. And as always, I would love it if you hit subscribe and you left the show a good review if that's your jam. If not, uh, message me. <laughs> Tell me in person you don't like it. <laughs> Anyways. Um, I'd love to hear from you again. I'm just so honored and um, feel so lucky to have so many people tuning in and, and listening to these stories. And as always, I appreciate all of the guests that have given their time and their wisdom and their information and shared their stories with us here. So you can connect with me on Instagram at getting into it um, or um, through email emily at getting into it at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you as well. And you can find, um, if you're interested in learning more about spirituality, free offerings on my website, uh, especially if you join the mailing list. I send out invitations to free events and stuff all the time. So I would love to see you outside of the platform, but I appreciate also you just being here on the platform and I'm so happy. Thank you so much.